The Family Day edition of More in the Morning. Jason Agnew keeping the seat warm for John Moore. He has taken the day off. Don't know what he's doing because golf courses aren't open yet. And uh, the LCBOs are closed. So (laughs) he's totally listening. Uh, It is time for Mulcare Mondays with former NDP leader and CTV political analyst Thomas Mulcare. Good morning, Thomas Mulcare. (laughs) Good morning, Jason Aggie. Still doing a little giggle there off the LCBO remark? Uh, well, yes, I'm sure that uh, John, is, I hope he's not listening. I hope he's actually, you know, if he's going to take the day off, I hope he's actually snoozing at this Oh, hour. he's awake. We all know he's awake. It's hard to change a schedule of normally getting up <laughs> at two true. in the morning. <laughs> uh, let's talk uh, Emergencies Act, uh, yeah. Mr. Mulcair. So the uh, Public Order Emergency Commission has concluded that yep. the federal government met the threshold for invoking the Emergencies Act to bring an end to the Freedom Convoy protests and blockades. This didn't surprise me, but your thoughts? Didn't surprise me either. But one of the things that was interesting about Rulo's report, it's the first time, Jason, that we've talked about this statute in real life. It was adopted some 30, 40 years ago, never been used. And so it had to replace the the War Measures Act, which, of course, a lot of people looked at saying this is not a tool for modern administration. We need something better. So we came up with this Emergencies Act. But what Rulo did is set down several dozen recommendations, you know, how the thing could be made better, where the gateposts are in this thing, how you navigate it for the future. And interestingly enough, he had a very tight timeline. He had one year to produce this massive report and hear all the witnesses. And he's looking back at Parliament now saying, look, I think you should be able to get your part done now in in a year. So what's that part? Well, it's as you say, you know, what's the definition of the emergency? What is that threshold? Because there's no section in that law that says, well, here's the threshold. There's a definition of a national emergency that's different from the one that exists for CSIS, and it's not clear which one applies. So he's saying, well, this is the type of thing that Parliament now has to pick up and fix. And so I think it's it, overall, it's a good exercise. He was a bit tough uh, on Doug Ford, who, of course, was heading into an election a few months later and didn't want to upset part of his base so he was hard to he was hard to get hold of when they were trying to get help from Ontario until the ambassador bridge got shut down and uh, Gretchen Whitmer and others were phoning him saying uh, Doug be nice to get the border open so he finally had to act but overall I think that Rulo is to be commended I think he did an amazing job in regards to uh, Premier Ford though I mean what do you feel his responsibilities were or should have been with the Freedom Convoy well, it was interesting because, one, he ducked the whole process, mm-hmm. which he was allowed to do. The court said, no, no, you're a provincial premier. You don't have to appear before a federal commission of inquiry. But I think he should have. <laughs> you know, if he if he had nothing to hide, if he had just the desire to make sure that this thing would work better in the future, he would have showed up. But he also knew that there were weak parts in, in Ontario's reaction. I think that one of the few points where Rulo went, a bit over the top is when he said this was a failure of confederation. That's a bit of a weighty statement. No, it was Ontario just taking its time and making sure that if they did have to go in, it wouldn't affect Doug Doug Ford's election chances. I mean, that's exactly what this boils down to, in my view. So I think that overall, we've got a, a statute that can apply if something like this happens in the future. And, you know, people with grievances now, Jason, it's easy for them to find each other. You know, this was like one 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 hundredth of one percent of the Canadian population that was involved in this activity. And yet they shut down the nation's capital and the most important 
border crossing at the Ambassador Bridge between Windsor and Detroit, and, and we're going after others in, in Manitoba and in Alberta. So it's easy to get people riled up, and you have to have tools to deal with it, because if your government is there to ensure peace, order, and good government, then you've got to have the tools to make that happen. Let's keep with Ontario here, uh, Mr. Mulcair, and talk about the Ontario communities that have seen a surge in arrivals of asylum seekers uh, and have been caught off guard. Last week on this program, John Moore spoke with the mayor of Niagara Falls. This week, it seems that Cornwall is reporting being overwhelmed by migrants seeking asylum. Uh, Thoughts on this, where, where these migrants are being placed? Well, let's give a little bit of a primer as to why and how this is happening. We have an agreement with the United States called a safe third country agreement. That essentially stipulates this, that we consider each other's countries to be places that respect international law. So if an asylum seeker comes to the border at a regular border crossing, the Canadian folks at the border will say, no, you're in the United States, make your claim there, it's a safe country. So what's been happening is using one of these many little roads that cross between the southern part of Quebec and the upstate New York and places like that, they're using these small roads. One is called Roxham Road. It's become famous because tens of thousands of people have come through there. So we found out that the mayor of New York was at New York City was actually paying bus tickets to Plattsburgh, the closest large town on the New York side. And then, believe it or not, moonlighting American border guards were taking a lot of people to the border so that they could cross into Canada. They were arriving in Quebec by the tens of thousands. Legault was saying, hold on, we need help here. This is this is everything about health care for these, for, for these folks. They, they need housing. We, we've already got a housing crunch of our own. How are we supposed to do this? So that pressure was building. And so now a lot of those tens of thousands of people are starting to be steered to other provinces, of course, immediately to the sister province of Ontario. So it's a huge mess. And believe it or not, at a time when everybody's looking for more workers, most of these people would love nothing more than to be able to work and contribute. And what's happening is, as usual in the immigration department, everything is completely broken down. I was reading this morning that People are being given their appointment to determine whether or not they can get a work permit for Canada. They're being given an appointment in 2024, 2025. Hmm. So the, the the immigration system has completely broken down. The border has, has completely broken down. Now, I, I hold out some hope because Marco Mendicino just a few weeks ago had hinted that we had a new deal in the works with the Americans on safe third country. And Biden's coming in in a few weeks. And I'm hoping because Trudeau pushed back on Mendicino, told him to (laughs) zip it. He wasn't going to talk about that. So that was a rare public uh, rebuffing of of a minister by Trudeau. I think that there might be a deal in the works with the U.S. to put an end to this. But it's a really delicate situation because now it's putting pressure on housing and healthcare and other public services in Ontario because thousands and thousands of people are going to be arriving in towns in Ontario. Yeah, it's very much overwhelming. Uh, you mentioned the U.S. there, uh, so let's wrap with that today. Uh, President Biden making a surprise visit to the Ukraine, this coming just four days before the one-year anniversary of Russia yep. invading the Ukraine. Um, this, I mean, surprises is, is definitely the word here, but, you know, there is always a spotlight when we hit an anniversary. Um, what do you see, uh, a, the purpose of this visit, 
Uh, and do you see anything changing uh, with the spotlight being on this conflict? I don't see a lot changing, and I think that's part of the challenge because, of course, Biden, you know, he's playing it by his own his own playbook. He's he's there in Kiev today giving a message, which is clear as a bell, that the U.S. will be side by side with Ukraine for as long as it takes. That's the quote that they wanted everybody to retain. That's fine. You, you can't let down Ukraine in the face of this completely illegal Russian aggression. But at some point, there's also going to have to be a talk of an exit strategy. How how can we get the world out of this? We've got North Korea right now firing missiles in what they're calling their target range in the Pacific. Um, it, it's a really serious situation. China is now supplying weapons wholesale to Russia so they can continue their illegal aggression of Ukraine. And it's nice for the Western allies to keep using you know, everything that they've got to shore up Ukraine. That's fine. But again, there has to be some way out of it because... The Russians invaded Afghanistan in 79, and 10 years later, they left with their tails between their legs because they had completely failed there. The Americans, of course, had supplied a lot of weapons to the people that they were going to be fighting a few years later. And the same thing happened to the Americans in Vietnam. I mean, these are proxy wars. And it's not that the Ukrainians aren't fighting for their own country. Of course, they are. But it's through you know NATO countries and in the U.S. in particular. So I think that there has to be an attempt around the world to try to avoid this going any further because the world is becoming a very hot place right now uh, with the examples we just looked at. And I think that cooler heads have to prevail at some point. Thank you for this, sir. Have a great family day. (laughs) You take good care, Jason. All the best.